I'm Brittany Ashley. And I'm Laura Zach. And this is Sicker Sadder World. The podcast where we rewatch Daria and relate it to our current world. Good morning. Top of it to you. I mean, the sun is shining, the birds are chirping, I'm wearing my robe. It's morning, girl. Got a cookie next to me. Yeah, I have a robe that my sister got me for Christmas that I look like Cookie Lions when I wear it, and I'm into it. It's me the too, most honestly. Luxurious thing I own. <clears throat> so tell me about your weekend. Um, it was really relaxed. It was a. Uh, I, I think I'm starting to get the um, beginnings of some sort of cough. So I feel like yours is jumping from you to me. Um, but I just. It follows. But yeah, I I did some writing. I did some hanging out with a nice person, and uh, that's all I have to say about that. <laughs> I'm sure we'll hear about it in a bit. I'm trying this thing of like being more impeccable with your word. Right, right. I'm uh, taking taking a note from your book. I yeah, know it's my... not as fun to listen to, but maybe for some of you out there, it's it's more fun. Right. <laughs> No, but I had a good weekend. That's great. Yeah. And uh, next weekend's my birthday. Hell yeah. And uh, the old 5-7. Taking this one and peeps to Harry Potter world. So uh, we're going to have to do your, your um, okay. we're going to have to find out your house and your Patronus before we go. It's very important. I believe I took the quiz a couple years ago and I think I was the nice one. Hufflepuff? Yeah, I believe so. I can see that. It's not, I mean, it's more complicated than just being the nice one, but. There are worse things to be. It is complicated being the nice one. Yeah. I don't know. I, I, the longer that time goes on, the, the higher value I place on kindness. Totally. Yeah. I feel like it starts to become a more, unfortunately, a more elusive quality in new, new people I meet. Yeah. Cause Mm. like if you're talented, but you're not kind, I don't want to fuck with you. No. No fucking if you're happening. if you have any other quality that's great, but you're not kind, it kind of just diminishes that other quality. Yeah, I actually will probably believe people are more talented if they are really kind. Right, because uh, well, why is that? I don't know because then it shows that they really don't have an ego about it, which means they actually might be the true artist, mm-hmm. artist of the everyday as well as artist of their particular right. craft. Mm-hmm. Well, you, I think you can always tell when someone. I guess I'm conflating being humble and being kind. They bleed into each other a little bit. But I believe that people that are more humble might be the more brilliant ones. Rather than the people who just constantly are, you know, so in awe of themselves. Yeah, I guess it depends on like what we're what we mean by kindness, though. Because I, I think sometimes there's like an active kindness that takes up a lot of energy that maybe people who you'd think of as like artistic geniuses just don't prioritize putting that out there. I think there's like a, or maybe I guess being nice is the verb and kindness is, is, and kind is like the adjective. It's just yeah. like a way of being an orientation toward others. Mm-hmm. But anyway, yeah, agreed. A talented, kind person just doesn't get better than that. To go back to what you were saying a couple minutes ago about this nice person that you're hanging out with. I think that's a prime example. Oh, I wasn't even <laughs> thinking about that, but yeah. <laughs> yeah, as a as a unrelated and yet conveniently related resident. <laughs> yeah. Um 
So anyway, also, uh, I heard that you went to Ikea and you had a little bit winning of the butch off building a uh, lovely outdoor couch that I saw on my way in here. Oh, yeah. Um, you know, me and my girlfriend, we had a Sunday. We cleaned. We hiked. We went to Ikea. We built some furniture. We quite the Sunday, which isn't really out of the ordinary for what our usual Sundays are, to be honest. It's not a Sunday unless you get in there with your bare hands and build something from the ground up. I mean, it was only seven steps, but... Lord's Day of Rest in Lesbian World is... Lord's Day of Building Furniture. Yeah. That's the real sweet treat at the end of... Basically. La 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 la. La 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 la. This is my style. Got to get up. Or I might fall. Excuse me. Excuse me. Episode four, Murder, She Snored. Murder, She Snored. <laughs> a play on the classic TV show Murder, She Wrote, starring Angela Lansbury. You might remember this. I think it always came on right before, right after I was about to watch something I wanted to watch. I really don't know what the show was about. Do you? Uh, I assumed murder, but I also uh, did not watch it. But I, I would always see the opening sequence before I yeah. switched it off. Totally. Yeah. <clears throat> Maybe I've fallen asleep to it a couple times. Like, was she the narrator and then what fully was not in the episode? Or did she have an actual hand in solving the murders? I'm really excited to look this up afterwards and see how close we are. See, on my end, I thought that she was like maybe a novelist because I think there was like a typewriter and I think um, it was in typewriter It was her font. stories. Yeah, maybe. Literal, literally her stories that she was writing. Or maybe she was like a crime she journalist. She was like a Mary Higgins Clark. Yeah, Ooh. or a James Patterson. Deep dive. I used to love Mary Higgins Clark. I used to love James Patterson. Great beach reads. Great beach reads. But, uh, yeah, and I, I just continue to love whenever this show uh, references other shows and really establishes where we are in time and society. Um, yeah. Like I mean, I the just... blue M&M, that one really threw me. Oh, that. Oh, I also uh, went and saw a movie last night. I saw Commuter with Liam Neeson. I hadn't I hadn't seen the trailer or anything before I went and saw it, which is the first time time I've done that in a long time. Interesting. Like just I didn't fully take going you, blind. I didn't take you for a for a commuter chick. Do you know what it's about? It's like a action thriller type thing. Yeah, Kinda like in the vein of Speed or Taken, but not as good. <laughs> yeah, I, I I went with with some people. So. Sure. Yeah. Um, 
And there was an ad before the trailers for M&M's. And I was like, hey, do you guys remember when <laughs> Blue wasn't an M&M? And then, yeah, I, I don't know. I just, How'd that go over? Um, I got like a, oh, yeah. sure. <laughs> wow. That girl like, you're dating is really into Blue M&M's. <laughs> Um, yeah, but I, I got really into like talking about how there was a vote for like purple or blue. And then I was like hearing myself and being like, Laura, stop talking. Laura, stop talking. You know, it used to be tan. <laughs> and they say they melt in your ha- mouth, not in your hand. But have you actually experimented? Because hell, you get the right temperature outside. That's going to melt in your hand. Am I right? Am I right? Okay. I'm just going to go back to my popcorn. Just kidding. You know, it's like crazy when places... <laughs> advertise the temperature of something because isn't that up to you (laughs) it also reminds me of how chips ahoy used to say there was exactly 900 or something chips in every bag and i was like you know what i'm gonna check it out also tootsie pops how many licks does it take till you get to the that's subjective (laughs) anybody just some 90s advertising references okay i'm done i did always think that i would never be as happy as the cookies and chips ahoy in those commercials, God, they had a blast. Damn, when your aspiration is <laughs> to Chips attain ahoy. happiness. Oh, speaking of attaining happiness, I do need to share one more thing before we do the deep dive into the episode. I'm giving you the space to do that. Thank you. I appreciate that. Something very important happened that was a win for me, but really is a win for both of us, having to do with one of our core founding mothers. Dog Laura. Uh, it's about the Twitter follow I received this mm, week. Mm-hmm. Um, you guys, Cheryl Strait followed me this week, and it's because I um, ate an edible and then was just staring at photos of Gus and his father, and then I posted about it on Twitter, and it turns out I just really like hit the crosshairs of her interests, <laughs> talking about not deserving dogs and being high and lineage lineage and and the bio father of of my chihuahua mutt yeah that was a real thrill and i definitely texted Brittany immediately because big fans of that one yeah but i wasn't angry because oh i knew that you i was just waiting for the like do you notice how i set it up being like this is a win for both of us totally yeah but but if she followed me i'd be editing myself you know i could never make another butthole tweet ever again yeah, I've, I've, I'd be like, you deserve better than this, Cheryl. Right. And can you imagine that if you ever noticed her unfollowing you after the follow? Yeah, I'd just that be in be my head. That would be way worse. I, you know, that's truly like, it's not better to have loved and lost in that case. Just... Right. And so now you carry this burden, really. So back to the sode. First of all, I love how this show is immediately overcompensating for giving us like a positive Kevin episode. Right. By immediately having one where he fake dies and everyone hates him. So, yeah, it feels like um, a little bit of a double beat with Tommy Sherman. Like, how many times do we have to have the theme of the the celebrated jock dying? Yeah. But, okay, we'll go with it. We'll go with it. So, this episode all begins when Mr. Martino is giving out test grades, and Mac gets a B, which is kind of strange because... He tries hard. Um, Dari gets an A. Um, and the weird part is that Kevin gets a A along with the rest of the football team, which means obviously that someone stole the test. Actually, I think it would technically be an A plus 
right for those 100 100 entitled millennials who are used to getting a pluses just kidding i i, I like doing like anti-millennial yeah. uh bit because i technically am one sure. um but yeah it, they get 100 out of 100 so, Mr. DiMartino says, unless the guilty party comes forward, everyone will get an F. And it's very clear that Kevin was the one who stole the test. And Mac and Brittany flank him and they're like, hey, you piece, come forward. Otherwise, we're both going to fail because of you. And Daria and Jane overhear that. And then Principal Lee overhears Daria and Jane talking about how Daria could just kill Kevin. I don't... Um... I, I wasn't convinced that it was Kevin who was guilty. He basically like said he did. He said that he copied it word for like that he saw the test and he didn't take the test physically. He just copied it word for word. Oh, I thought he said something about coach said he'd fix my and then like trailed off, like implying that the coach had something to do with it. And maybe Mac like refused to partake in that. Mm, I like, don't he, think he like cut himself off when he started talking about the coach like saying he'd fix his grades. Oh, I was under the impression I thought he said something that he like copied the test word for word. Um, we uh, God, memory bias is a real thing. Because then, because then it made me, I only Play remember the that. tapes. Yeah, because it reminded me of the only time I ever cheated on a test in high school was in a math class. And one of our friends took the test and then we like came up with all the answers together and then we all put them in our TI-83 calculators. Oh, yeah. Whoa. <clears throat> oh, my God. Sorry. My, my throat just did something crazy. <laughs> Apparently, I have a creature inside me that's yeah. passionate about TI-83s and I was about to do you one better and uh, talk about a little thing known as the TI-89. Also, do you think the rapper T.I. got his name from? <laughs> Definitely. But now, going back to the tapes, this is what actually happened. Oh, babe, I didn't steal the test. You just copied it word for word. Fine, Mr. and Mrs. Jealous Baby. Now I know what it's like to be hated just because you're a brain. Here cool. we are. Hopefully um, what you just listened to proves that I was right, but I won't know until we all listen together to this finished product. I'm okay with you taking the win. I also don't mean to jump around so much, but I am on coffee right Cocaine. now. <laughs> yeah. I am on two cups of coffee. But did you watch any of the Grammys last night? I didn't. I actually was watching the assassination of Gianni Versace. I did not watch it live, but I watched the highlights. Two things of note, Childish Gambino's performance and Kesha's performance. You got to oh, watch I, Kesha's I watched Kesha's, like, that's the only thing I watched. I, I just watched fair. it on Twitter, and it was incredible. Yeah. Like, Dr. Luke is actually still making money off of the su success of praying. I mean, she dropped the case, you know, she couldn't win her case, and so in order to keep doing music, she dropped the charges against him, which means that Sony and then... Dr. Luke are still financially benefiting. Right. Like, and as then long Sony as is... like quote tweeted that performance and was like, we love you girl like praying. And it's also an example of like the com commodification of using a movement like me too and times up for financial gain because right. now it's like the record company being like, Oh, this is an economically viable right. movement for us. When they had the largest hand in it, like in, 
and we all know that like there's literal receipts of the fact that sony played a huge part in that and wouldn't let her out of her contract with her abuser yes i agree um anyway love you kesha love her i mean back in the day when all we knew of her was tiktok and that she had a dollar sign in her name. That was enough for me. That was enough for me. And I defended her so much to people. And then I got them into her music. She she was, when I when I had like a year and a half to two years, it was really just two summers that I was really into running and like trying to do a marathon and sure. only made it to the half until something went wonky with my shin. But that's neither here nor there. Kesha, the, her TikTok era is what... Um, Got, got you me. through. Yeah. yeah. No, she she was excellent to, to run long distances. Right. Too. Well, like the beat of TikTok is like a perfect run. Like <laughs> uncanny. Yeah. Your impression of the song. <laughs> also, just another aside is I uh so for ten years I worked for V Day, the uh, global nonprofit that works to end violence against women and girls. And a woman that I worked with on a big, the 10th anniversary of V-Day, we held a huge um, event at the Superdome in New Orleans. And one of the women who was producing the event that I worked with and, and was friendly with was dating Dr. Luke. Ooh. And he came to this event. This was in 2006. So this would have been around the time or slightly before he started working with Kesha. And he was at this massive event to raise money and awareness for harassment and violence against women and girls. And he was there and, and like as her plus one taking in that event, it's just like the, the level that people can compartmentalize their own behavior from larger social ills is really astounding. Yeah. She's, I mean, she got out of that relationship. She's fine. But I think the timing was such that like the assault that, um, that Kesha reported actually, wait, let me think. It may have actually been right around that time that she, that she was starting to to get into it with him. Anyway, timeline doesn't matter, but fuck that guy. <laughs> yeah. So Daria comes home. She falls asleep while watching something Charlie's Angel-esque. And then the rest of the episode, you're kind of left wondering... Yo, is this a dream? Uh, I mean, I was really only wondering it until Kevin's body fell out of the locker. And then I was like, yep, definitely a dream, but I'm going with it. But you're right. The the dreamscape was incredibly naturalistic. They just completely pulled. There were We saw Helen and Jake acting the exact same way in the dream that they had been in real life, where she was on her phone and having like a conversation with Jake while also having a conversation about some case on her phone. Mm-hmm. And Jake being his same self and yeah they they carried over all the synapses from the real world and and of course in this new world the fashion club are the upchucks angels right and so it begins when kevin falls out of daria's locker with an arrow in his chest and uh they're all kind of like on the crime scene and mr Martino says that murderers often return to the scene of the crime to admire their handiwork which is a terrifying sentence. Do you remember the murder mystery dinner episode of Say by the Bell? Because that's what I thought of. I don't remember that, no. It was a good one. Revisit it if you can. So I'm busy revisiting, as you know. <clears throat> Buffy. Buffy. I already have so many thoughts, but we we'll also talk about that off air because I don't it's wanna a lot. Yeah. I don't wanna take any any uh buffering buffering uh steam away. 
Totally. <clears throat> so everyone's a suspect, mainly because, um, you know, it's Kevin. <laughs> but Daria is suspect number one. But why is that? Is it because, I mean, Miss Lee is the one who identifies her as suspect number one. Is it, is it just meant to be a carryover from what she said in the, in the real world before the dream? Yes. And also because Daria's having the dream. And throughout oh, right. the scene. Narcissism. Yeah. Throughout the scene, I couldn't help but wonder, is Principal Lee a les? Oh, I, I would imagine so. Yeah. I feel like we didn't we already ship like her and Helen. Yeah. Not that like us shipping two women makes them a lesbian, although maybe it does. Maybe that's all it takes. Yeah. Like that's that's the first butterfly wing. I think when so. we ship two women together that like they're like somewhere wherever they are in the world, wherever Miss Lee yeah. is in the world right now. She's like, oh, I felt that. So. But what made you think that just in this particular? I episode? think I was just like really. I really took notice of her ensemble this episode. Yeah, she she's very power dyke. Yeah. Unscrup or I always get confused between scrupulous and unscrupulous. No scruples means she doesn't care. Unscrupulous. And um and I'm not saying that's a lesbian quality, but I'm saying that she when you when a when a power dyke goes bad, she's real bad. Like my my um, my witch ex, mm -hmm. her ex-wife was a prosecutor, and she specifically worked um, death uh, cases, death row cases, and prided herself in being like she's like you know personally responsible for putting something like twelve people to death, Jesus. and she was married. God, I'm so sorry. And she was married. And she was married to a woman who took pride in being a healer of people. And that's just an interesting... I mean, Talk I Talk about <laughs> good cop, bad cop. Ooh. Which leads us into the polygraph. You're doing a great job, Cookie, at keeping us focused. Thank you. Thank you. Daria ends up becoming the master of the polygraph because rather than uh, being broken, she remarks about how Kevin is going to be rewarded like other brain dead athletes while Mr. DiMartino and other teachers have a job that has the stress level of a neuroscientist but get paid like they work at Blockbuster. And ultimately, that for, that like forces Mr. DiMartino into such rage that he talks about how he wants to kill Kevin. Yeah, so, she basically turns it around on him. She is invoking his rage toward Kevin and exposing that he might actually be a larger sus suspect than her. Brilliant. And then Daria drives home in a Rolls Royce, which is the other time where I'm like, oh, yeah, this is for sure a dream. It's a really long dream. Very long and, and very linear. Helen and Jake are, again, kind of acting the same as they were in her real life. And Jake is into the idea of playing detective. So he dresses up like a detective. And then Jane is... Um, and wasn't there a little part of you that was like, ooh, since it's a dream, maybe they'll like, you know, hook up. Jane and Daria? Yeah. No. Mm. I mean, it's not my dream, you know? Right, but in her, but in Daria's dream, she still hates Tom, 
And in Daria's dream, Jane still makes a comment when she says that Trent is dead, which she does say, but really he's just napping. Um, she says, like, oh, you never would have known. Now we'll never know what could have been between you two. Yeah. So it's still Trent focused. Yeah. It's, it, it, you know, it's kind of like a dream in that way where it's a little bit nonsensical and things are like the plot is kind of all over the place. Then it gets pretty dark. We're at Kevin's funeral. It's open casket. And I didn't understand what was going on with uh, the three J's. They were lined up and one of them put like a pin in his in his chest. Yeah. Was that just to convey that he didn't like him? I guess. It was really strange. It was strange because I don't really see them interact at all. No. And although I can imagine why there might be some resentment from the three J's toward Kevin, given that he is dating a popular cheerleader. Um, but they're interested in Quinn, not Brittany. So right. who cares? Also, the cheerleaders do this chant. Two, four, six, eight. Kevin's on his final date. Yeah. My... One of my favorite parts was one when Max shows his cards and two Miss Barch's speech. Oh, yeah. There was a lot of, of nuggets at this funeral scene. Also, Daria in a Hawaiian shirt. Yeah. Which, like, I think was supposed to show perhaps that, you know, she usually is kind of like dressed for a funeral and then she went out of her way to not dress for the funeral. I thought it was a callback to another detective show like i thought that like she and jane were meant to be like csi miami yeah or um what was that one i feel like it was the same era as tom murder Se- like she tom selicky yeah the one where it was like angels on a highway or like it was do you know do you at all know what i'm talking about where i can i can only vaguely i'm, I'm picturing tom selick yeah, I'm picturing actors of that era and ilk. Yeah. Um. Anyway, I'll look that up, too. It'll be another it Angela like, Lansbury surprise. Yeah, Jane kind of looked like Inspector Gadget. Yeah, I felt like they were meant to be some duo that if we were still in the era this came out, we'd more easily recognize. If we were still in the era of, of tan M&Ms. Yeah, the, or no, new blue. This would be the fresh blue, right. blue M&M era. Um, I kind of liked Max. Um, it was it was a little it was kind of beautiful. Cathartic. His his uh, eulogy was him trying to find something nice to say, and what he went with was Kevin never made anyone feel stupid. Yeah, which was really beautiful and true. And then Daria does a similar thing to Mac as she did Mister DiMartino, which is to invoke what Mac actually hated most about Kevin, which was to remind him of the Mac Daddy nickname. And that sends Mac in a bit of a rage. So everyone is still still suspect. So then... Oh, you want to talk about Miss Barch's speech? Go for it. Uh, do you just let... You don't want to say anything like misandrist on the air? Th- this is quoting Miss Barch. She- quoting Miss Barch, she says, I'm glad Kevin is dead. I wish all men were dead. Go Lions. And yet, though, she is there with uh, Mr. O'Neill and we see her comforting him. And I think that's what I love most about Miss Barge is that she contains multitudes and that despite her blatant sexism, she still just is a vulnerable woman looking for love. And I think it undercuts. She doesn't wish all men were dead because there's clearly one that she doesn't want dead. Yeah, she's a little (laughs) sweetie. (laughs) Yeah, real softy. The, the fashion club briefly 
tries to solve, and I'm putting that in air quotes, um, the crime, but they in the dream are similarly uh, dense as in real life, and so they aren't really prioritizing um, the query. They they just end up more so like fighting over whether Tiffany can be part of the angels or not, which is rude. Um, but it's mainly Daria on the case. I'll be honest. She had another uh, trick up her sleeve, Daria, which is that she put time activated paint on her locker. So anyone who was in her locker would have bright paint on their hands, but ha ha, she fooled you because she didn't actually put that paint in there. And anyone who looked at their hands knows that they're guilty. And so we find out in kind of a clue esque way that everyone except for Daria was guilty. Jane killed Kevin with cyanide in a sandwich. Mac hit him with his club. Brittany hit him with the arrow. Miss Barch kicks him and says, it's going to be a good day. Mr. Martino strangles him and then stuffs him in the locker. And the gun belonged to Quinn. So really, it's not unlike the conclusion of the L word where it's like, who killed Jenny? Everyone kind of did. Hey, no spoilers. That's really not because they never really right. resolve that, which I guess is a spoiler in and of itself. But like everyone, everyone's responsible for killing Jenny Schechter, including you and I, Laura. Right. We're all we're all accountable. But I also and also in the dream, Helen and Jake had become the cops that were standing at the ready to take Daria in. And I love how like they're still bickering even as cops and Helen's like, Jake, will you please act like you're the law on these streets? <laughs> so no one's guilty because everyone is? Or is, is it just well, that I mean, Daria is an innocent little princess? Well, it's like Daria, because she has the largest moral compass, is the only innocent one, yet she's the one that has to take the fall for it. And then she realizes it's a dream Oh, thank God, she's not going to prison. And we're back in real life where uh, Mr. DiMartino is kind of telling everyone the conclusion of what he's going to do about the tests. And then Kevin comes in pretending that he's dying. And Mr. DiMartino strangles Kevin in real life. That whole element was the darkest part of this episode. First of all, Mr. DiMartino in the dream coming upon a dead body and strangling it and really like getting off on it and then stuffing in a locker and then actually strangling him in real life, which would get you fired in a second. Yeah. We had a teacher at our school that threw a desk at a kid. The early aughts, man. Teachers could get away with some metal shit. Yeah. <laughs> Ooh, ah, ah, ah. Thank you for listening to this episode of Sicker Sadder World. We are at Sicker Sadder on Twitter. We have a website, sickersadderworld.com. You can support us on Patreon if that suits you. You can, for free, leave us a little review on iTunes so that other Lawndale students can find us more accessibly. Yeah, I've been ha having trouble finding our student body, so <laughs> same. And uh, if you want to find us as individual people, we also exist that way. Instagram. Twitter. That's about it. LinkedIn. Ancestry.com. The White Pages. Goodreads. Uh, buddy Profile. Live Journal. MySpace. I was on the list for a minute. The list? List app. What's that? 
Oh, it's. I think it's ended now. So, but it was a, a social. It, my friend was on the team. It's like you make lists of things. It, it sounds lame, but it's actually really cool and interesting, and people used it as a comic comedy tool. Is it like making seating charts for people that you had classes with? Uh, if you want it, it could be whatever you wanted it to be. Okay, I'm ready.